Let's get out of the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, he, of course, is one of my co-hosts for Jazz pre-half and post-game. He's also former BYU assistant coach, our good friend Tim Lacombe. Tim, how are you? My goodness, guys, it's been forever. I know. Doesn't it feel like it's been so long? I mean, that that night in Oklahoma City, Tim, now feels like uh, years ago. Yeah, I'm seriously like three years ago. It's 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 crazy. How are you and yours? Everybody doing okay? Yeah, all is well. Um, just you know, like everybody else, just trying to figure out what normal is and kind of gravitate toward it. Is it true that uh, that your wonderful wife went uh, had a viral video? Is that a thing? Yeah, she did, man. How did she, I miss uh, this? Probably because you aren't on. Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, 7 million people saw it. Let's put it that way. Austin told me about it, and I was like, I can't believe I missed this. That's a huge deal. What what did she do, Tim? Well, early on in the quarantine, she thought it would be cool to... We have a ton of, like, kids in our neighborhood. And so she, she sent an email out to everybody, every house on our street. And uh, it's kind of a a cul-de-sac. And so... She sent out a video basically saying, hey, let's do a quarantine, neighborhood quarantine dance. And I'll drive down the street and give, she gave everybody like 30 seconds. And then she just went from house to house, played a song. She told them what parts they'd have. They all kind of did a, um, you know, their, their, choreo- their own choreography. And she just drove down the street each house at a time and, it, it ended up being crazy. I, I mean, it was funny because we she put it on her Facebook, and so it wasn't like meant to go crazy, and it just took off, and it was really fun to kind of watch it um, go from a couple hundred thousand, wake up the next day, you know, it was pushing a million, and then it did about a million a day for a, a near a week, um, and it from all over people from all over the globe reached out and. It was really cool. So, kind of a fun, kind of a fun uh, thing that happened during all this, you know, madness. Too bad you didn't get a buck for every view. I know. I, I you know, how many times I said that, Gord. I know. <laughs> if it would have been you, you would have, you know, you would have figured that out. I'm not, as you know, I coached for a long time, and the old adage is those can do and those that can't coach. So. Um, Fortunately, I'm out of that now. But, uh, yeah, I wish I would have consulted somebody like you that has just got money flying everywhere. Oh, and I'm yeah, just yeah, jumping yeah. in on <laughs> Tim, Tim uh, speaking of the things that you can do, shouldn't you be uh, – shouldn't you have been uh, reuniting with your band uh, along about now and uh, doing some uh, some hard rock? Yeah, we actually, you know, the, the 50th birthday is coming up, and we actually had a we had a, a big old party planned that you guys were all going to come to in a couple weeks, and unfortunately, that's been postponed to TBD, as they say in show business. <laughs> um, but we actually, you'll get a kick out of this. We actually, there's an app online. Uh, we all had to go out and figure out how to get really fast internet, but... We practice weekly. Um, I'm here, and then two of our members are in 
Dallas and two are in Austin, but it's like we're in the same room. It's pretty freaking amazing. So mm. we're we're going to be really tight by the time it happens because we're practicing weekly, um, just from afar. Let's talk a little basketball, Tim. Are you fall? Are you like the rest of us and watching this Last Dance documentary? What are you taking away from it? Oh man, it is. You know, it's really cool because. Um, I've got a 21-year-old son that really, really never got to see Michael play. Um, and you can do all, you know, you can watch old games and you can talk about the old times, but it is so awesome to have uh, what I feel like captures just the essence of what that team was about, what he was about. Um, you know, you talk about somebody that was just so competitive Um and it's just it's it's actually been really cool to share it with that with you know younger generation, but also at this time to be able to look forward to something sports oriented once a week, um, and like those two hours I don't know how it feels for you guys but those two hours feel like thirty minutes. Um, I get I am so into it, um, and just try to take little nuggets out of it, man, that you can apply to your own life and find ways to to do things better. Um, you know, I think that that's, that's my big come from is I think I'm just amazed at the drive, um, and the, the competitive nature of that, of, of Michael and then that team. We were talking to him earlier about, uh, about the whole production and how Jordan had control over what went in and what was left out. Do you want to know the whole truth, or do you just want to uh, to fly over from a distance and uh, go ahead and let it sort of be a uh, a Michael Jordan fan show? You know, I, I I would prefer the whole truth. I think that the unfortunate thing about that, unless you lip something, uh, unless you're right there, you probably never know the full story, um, and. I think that it's it's interesting because I think there are little pieces. Uh, you know, I'm sure Gordon, as a journalist, you're you know, there's so, so many things, assumptions that you can make by just all the little clues that you get. You know, where he sat. You know, and my my favorite part of last night was practice got over, and he went out and was just grabbing dudes, and he had a golf match to get to, and he's sitting on the bus honking and telling Phil to hustle and. I mean, there's so many things that you can just take from all that. Um, I, I've heard bits and pieces, you know, of, of from friends who played in the league, and there's kind of a code that you don't talk about certain things. But, man, uh, the the actual real story would be unbelievable to know. Um, and it would be, you know, unfortunately you'd have to be there to really see it and get it. You know, what you just said there, Tim, reminds me of a story that Rick Riley told about Pete Rose. He It was like one of the first stories he was doing for SI. He went to Pete Rose's, he met up with Pete Rose and he went to his house and uh, or he was with Pete, I think, when they arrived. And his he, the way Rick described it is that uh, Pete's wife was at the door and she was very Natalie attired, looked beautiful, and she like extended her hands out to give uh, her husband a hug. And Pete just kind of brushed her aside and went straight to the TV, turned the TV on real quick to check the uh, NHL scores, I think, something like that. <laughs> and, and, and Rick said to himself, 
man, this guy really likes hockey. <laughs> I think he's really... probably checking the scores, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what was going on. Probably the same reason Jordan was in a hurry to get out to the golf course, you know. Well, Not necessarily no for the joy of the pure hit, rather the uh, the joy of uh, doing what Jake does to me when we play golf and uh, beating, beating, you know, stealing hamburgers from me and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I'll share this because um, Randy, I follow Randy Reed on social media, obviously the old BYU grade, and his dad coached at BYU and then went on to Phoenix to play, or excuse me, to coach uh, with Danny Ainge. But he shared a story last night about uh, being his dad being over in Hawaii at a Nike retreat that Michael Jordan spoke at. Charles Barkley was there, and Roger was coaching the team at that time. And so uh, they passed each other in the lobby um, the night, uh, one evening, and uh, Charles said, hey, do you want to go golf tomorrow with me and Michael Jordan? And Roger's like, ah, I would love to, you know. And so he's like, well, okay, we're going to go at this time. And he says, now, you do know it's 10,000 a hole. <laughs> <laughs> and Roger said, oh, no, I don't think I'm going to go. Uh, but that was some story. That was a story that Randy shared last night. So you can imagine it was the numbers that were flying around and the way he kept track of who owned what. Um, we all got friends like that. And, uh, you know, for me, I just like to go out and play and maybe have just kind of a fun little bet. I'd be more like the front of the playing guys playing a dollar a hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim Lacombe is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon and I were chatting about, you know, kind of a, an obvious question that comes out of watching all this is how would Go- or, uh, Michael Jordan be in today's game? What what would be different? And thought you would be an interesting person to ask that because, of course, you were around Rick Majerus, who was – uh, the most traditional, right? I mean, a very traditional coach. And you were also on Dave Rose's staff with Jimmer where, you know, he had the ultimate green light. So what do you think Jordan's game would look like today in today's day and age? Uh, I think, you know, if anything, it would probably be more, he'd probably work more at, at being a, you know, the three-point shot being as big as it is now. Not to say he didn't shoot it and didn't use it, but it's just way bigger now to the kind of the scheme of the game. But I, I don't know that much would change. He uh, he was one of those true guys that could score from all three levels. Um, and most importantly, and there's been a whole lot of t- talk about it, you know, Magic and Larry were talking about don't get too close to Michael. And we all lived that. We saw it, right? We, we uh, cheering for the Jazz during the, the Jazz's run, that frustration of any kind of, you know, any put it this way, if, if Michael would have been Charles Smith at the end of the Knicks Bulls game, there would have been seven fouls called on that play. <laughs> um, so, you know, he was just, he was indivisible. And I know there's all sorts of generations that say that their their guy was the best. I mean, you can go back to Oscar and, and Bill Russell and go down the list, Kareem and Magic and, but for my money, um, you know, watching and being a big-time history buff of the game, I just don't think there's anybody that made the impact that he made on the game, took it to where it went. Um, the one thing last night blew my mind was Nike's uh, projection. They wanted to do $3 million in four years on his shoes. And in year one, they did $126 million. 
And I think that just says it all. I mean, he just, he crossed all barriers and, you know, he did such a great job, even with all this craziness going on in his life that, like Gordon said, we'll never know the full extent. You know, he was the poster guy for, for everything. You know, you wanted to be like Mike. You know, you go get a McDonald's, you drink Gatorade, you wear his shoes and his jackets, and um, and it just was what he did across, you know, culturally. I just don't think you'll ever see anything like it again. Tim Lacombe is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Tim, what do you think about this harms kid uh, BYU is landing from Purdue? Obviously huge, right? That's both from the... You know, the fact that they, they went out and, and beat teams that you typically don't see uh, BYU beat on the quarter in recruiting. Uh, and then he's just, he's, his size, his sheer size, being a really versatile 7'3 guy. Um, I've only watched him here and there, uh, so I don't know his game great. But certainly going to a place that will, you know, give him a ton of leeway i think that one of the things i would imagine he chose byu is because they'll allow him to step out and be versatile um a lot of comparisons drawn to a porzingis um but i think i really like about him seems to be a really gritty fiery competitor um and in my mind a, a great acquisition you know i i'm always leery because hype always tends to to cause way too many expectations that maybe don't get reached. And I would say, I mean, I, every single news show I've watched the last three or four days, there's been either a mention of him or a, or a clip of him or an interview with him. And so I would imagine the expectation is that he's going to come in and lead this team to the national championship. Um, and so there's always a double-edged sword there, but man, a great get, and and it'll be interesting to see how they work him in because they've got good big players. Colby Lee had a hell of a year. Um, and Gavin Baxter coming off an injury is really an athletic guy that can play. Uh, and then Harward sat a whole year. He's a guy they really were high on from UVU. So they've got a pretty big stable of guys that are probably expecting minutes. Um, and I'm just glad I don't have to field the phone calls and talk to parents and tell them why their kid's playing or not playing. That's their job. So beyond the expectations that come with uh, this kind of signing, uh, what about a player who is looking for, as you talked about, the opportunity? Why didn't he get that opportunity at Purdue more to his liking? I know there were some injuries and some other things, but his playing time was uh, lower than you might expect for a, a player with this kind of potential. Yeah, It's always interesting because a transfer always has – there's always a story that goes along with it. And, you know, part of the process is trying to figure that out. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, we actually, when we were at BYU, in fact, the last couple of years, they told us not to recruit any grad transfers. We had a real difficult time getting them into school because the expectation academically. And so obviously a couple of things have changed. They've been able to be more aggressive in that market. But we did get um, L.J. Rose to come from Houston. And L.J. was, uh, at one point, I think his, his junior year of high school, he was the number one uh, point guard recruit in the country. He ended up going to Baylor um, to start and then transferred to Houston. 
Um, and, and again, there's always like, that's the stuff as a coach you got to kind of have to patch together. Um, sometimes it's style, sometimes it's mentality, sometimes it's, you know, coaches, uh, confidence in somebody. And, and so, uh, that's always something that's interesting about a transfer is, you know, people will say it all the time. There's, there's these transfer things, they work out really, really well sometimes, and sometimes they, they don't work as well. Um, but at face value, this looks to be like a situation that would uh, favor him just from a style of play standpoint. And then a guy like Coach Pope, who, you know, he played in the NBA, and he was kind of a fringe, talented NBA guy that stuck. And so he, he I would imagine he uses that in, in recruiting in terms of selling kids like, I can help you uh, understand how to give yourself the best chance to play at that level. And I would assume that that, you know, that's part of the reason that that connection was so good. Tim, it's great to hear your voice. Thank you very much for jumping on with us as always. And we're very happy to hear that the party hounds are still working and sounding as tight as ever. Yep. So when that thing, um, you know, when that happens, I expect you guys to be there. Well, I'm and looking I'm, forward to it, man. We're gonna have a blast, and, and uh, Gordon, let's uh, let's hook up one of these days, you guys. Let's go grab some lunch now that we can do that. Love it. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. I'll wear a mask. <laughs> I know you guys will be worried about me. I'll wear a mask. I promise. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You're the man. See you guys. Great to be with See you, mm-hmm. Tim Lacombe. Uh, our good friend, part of our jazz coverage uh, here on the Zone Radio Network, uh, also former BYU coach uh, as well, and always fun to have on the show and talk to him and certainly get his perspective. Do you miss his mug? Oh, yeah, man. I, Tim's the best. He, he's, uh, he was a lot of fun to work with this year, and I already had his birthday party on my calendar. I was already yeah. preparing. He's been uh, he's been uh, getting ready for that sucker for a while now, and it's uh, it's a bummer we got to move it. And of course, uh, according to your rules, he should have to forego his birthday celebration. But I'm glad to hear that he is he's gonna do it anyway when uh, when we can. Yeah, here here. You ever seen Tim in a bad mood? I haven't. No, he's he's a pretty. <laughs> Tim's an interesting mix because he's very entertaining, but he can be somewhat. Um subdued at times so he he's like a good counter puncher you know he'll he'll be there and then then he uh, will uh, you know he'll dodge a punch and then boom he's got one a good one a zinger you know and it's really entertaining to talk to i mean that in the best sense i wasn't Jeez. Thanks for coming on tim you subdued party <laughs> uh <laughs> what type of boxer were you gordon uh i i jabbed a lot you know i had a, a wicked left hook Left hook. Mm-hmm. Aren't you right-handed? Yes. But I developed uh, that left hand pretty good. Did you? I had a speed bag when I was a kid. Did Is that because uh, you, you broke your hand in a fight but still had to work on the docks? <laughs> Someone had to keep those grounds at the, right. the DuPont estate. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they called me Cinderella, man. <laughs> Still had to still had to put food on the table and you know, work at the docks, hide that that broken hand. Developed developed your left out of necessity and and came back a, a a different fighter. It's so funny the parallels between fiction and real life, isn't it? It is. Funny How else. was Max the Bear Bear? Was he as bad as that movie made him out to be? Seemed pretty what mean. A jerk. Didn't they make him out to be such a jerk? Wow. Huh. 